Hello and welcome to the Gig Economy Project podcast. I'm Ben Ray, the coordinator of the Gig Economy Project, and today we are going to talk about subcontracting in the gig economy. Specifically, we're going to talk about Croatia. In December, Croatia became the first country to pass a law which placed the subcontractors, or what in Croatia they call the aggregators, onto our legislative footing as legitimate employers of platform workers, despite the fact that these subcontractors actually have very little power over the work process, which, as you probably know, is algorithmically managed by the platforms. This isn't just relevant to Croatia. Subcontractors are key to the gig economy in many countries across Europe, including Germany and Spain, and also matters in the context of the EU Platform Work Directive, which is likely to establish a presumption of employment in the platform economy. But what will that really mean if all the workers end up employed via intermediaries rather than by the platform themselves? To discuss the creation law and the creation platform economy more generally, we're joined by Sunchisa Bernadeic, who is Executive Secretary for Labour and Social Law at the Union of Autonomous Trade Unions of Croatia. Sunchisa has been lobbying the Croatian government to amend the law so that the platforms are the direct employers, not the aggregators. Hi Sunchisa, welcome to the Big Economy Project podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's just start by talking a little bit about the the Croatian platform economy. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about it? You know, how many platform workers are there? A bit about the context of where the gig economy fits into the wider, you know, uh, Croatian labour market and economy? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the main thing is that, like most countries, I would say we lack data and we lack sufficient data. So the best data that we have come from Eurofound reports and those estimate that over 10% of Croatian labor force have participated in some way or the other in the, in the platform economy. I have to say that uh, it sounded a lot at the beginning when we got those numbers, but I think we're really starting to see most of our gig workers are working on location. So it's becoming really, really visible, especially in city centers that you see a lot of these workers coming in. And of course, another thing that's very characteristic of most uh, of these Southeast European transition markets and in general labor markets in Europe is that uh, the platform economy actually builds up on the uh, lack of workplaces, so to say, or more like lack of decent workplaces. So I think the the initial strategies of all companies was um, kind of like when they started getting in and we're talking about 2012, 2013, uh, Croatia had a very long economic crisis. So that was kind of the answer as well to actual lack of jobs. And then we started seeing more and more people getting into gig economy because the jobs in Croatia aren't very good quality. And then all of a sudden you have these jobs where you can be flexible, you're your own boss as advertised, and more and more people starting to see this as um, as an option to transit from other kind of uh, crappy workplaces, so to say. So I think these are the two main characteristics. And I think I'm right in saying there's a lot of migrant workers working in, in food delivery, especially uh, workers from uh, India, Filipino, Nepalese. Um, and what kind of platforms companies are, are most present in, in the Croatian gig economy? Well, the migrant workers is a recent development. 
So unlike most Western European countries, we don't have a lot of irregular migrants who come through uh, irregular migration, ch migration channels. What we do have in the last two years is uh, the lack of workers, as I said, because there's been a high migration um, uh, level of Croatians going to emigrate in, in other older number of EU states. So we are seeing something that's universally recognized as the lack of workers. And this is mostly in construction sector and in tourism. However, two years ago, we changed the legislation on uh, the immigration legislation. And this is now very, very liberal and very employer driven. So if you're an employer, there are very liberal conditions and where you can apply that you need some workers and actually the labor market test is also very liberal. There is not much room for the government to come in and say whether you need those workers or not. And this is also what's very specific about Croatia because we are the first country to officially have recognized an intermediary company, as we call them, the aggregators, as a legitimate employer under the platform economy chapter of the creation legislation. And this is how the aggregators can also apply, saying that they cannot find a career worker in Croatia and they need to employ someone coming from a third country. And this is actually what's happening. So this, uh, this uh, anomaly, as I call it, the aggregator or the intermediary uh, uh, anomaly is also encouraged by other factors. And this is how we actually use this to uh, import workers who are then working in these jobs. As you can see, that's also very contradictory because normally you would have to prove that this employer actually needs these workers, but they also need their need for the creation economy. And this is only serving the purpose of three or four very big multinational platform companies, but also a bunch of semi-legal aggregators who are using this as really a, a, a way to exploit workers. And those companies are Bolt, Volt, Glovo, Uber. Is there any others yes. are, are relevant here? Now, at the moment, there's two career companies, food delivery companies, uh, those are Volt and Glovo, and two um, drug hailing companies, so Uber and Volt. So the aggregator system, what is the origins of that system? Presumably, its existence came before the gig economy. How, how did the aggregator system get started? And why has it become so prevalent in, in the gig economy? Why are gig workers... Um, using the aggregators and not self-employed? Well, actually, the aggregators didn't and do not exist outside of platform economy. Right. So the very term was invented with the platform economy. And I remember when I first, first uh, heard about it uh, three or four years ago, I had no idea what they are. And when we first started talking about the regulation of platform companies with the government, one of my colleagues asked, he has these aggregators, which legislation do they operate on? Like, how do you classify them? Um, in Croatian legislation, labor law legislation, as well as most European legislation, you're either an employer and you fall under the, some kind of labor legislation, or if you're not a direct employer, you have to be registered with as a temporary workers agency. So, and there's also like some obligations and rights stemming from this, uh, and also there's an EU directive. So basically, this is harmonized, and all of a sudden, we realize that there is a niche of um, these intermediary companies which are operating for the platform economies and they're, uh, they're uh, colloquially called uh, the aggregators or as often workers refer to them now alligators because it's basically 
how they kind of act in the market. So what happened is actually unclear, but now there's some research, uh, some comparative research as well that's being brought up that these, uh, when platform companies come into different markets, they kind of take and, and use the weaknesses of the different markets. So in most countries of Western Europe, uh, you have this self-employment um, model, and which is logical because self-employment can take different forms, which are much simpler. You can simply start operating and working and basically you'll be classified as a self-employed person. In Croatia, however, to be classified as a self-employed, you have to register with the government and this can be quite burdensome and quite risky for the person. Basically, you're like a semi, working in some kind of semi-company, semi-physical person. There's lots of obligations in terms of contributions. So that's why for a lot of people, when, when platform companies wanted to operate in this market, they had to find a model how to draw people in, how to get them somehow legalized. And when we talked to some platform companies, basically what they told us, oh, when they got when they got when they got there, um, the aggregating model was already here, so it was somehow patented by Uber. This is basically outsourcing. I've been also told that outsourcing is a very popular practice in the U.S. since the 70s. I don't think European um, countries have had these kind of problems, although we're seeing it more and more now, for example, in the tourism sector. However, there's no legislation that can quite support it. You can kind of go through civil law legislation and claim that this is simulated contract and kind of try to get the workers protection. What's very characteristic of Croatia, as I said, is we are the first country that in trying to regulate this, we actually recognize these aggregators as legitimate work employers, and also saying that, you know, problem solved, because all of a sudden these people are actually workers, they have all the rights, and it's, you know, everyone benefits, which is actually quite the opposite from what happens in real life. So I read one report about the, the aggregators in Croatia, and it said there was at least 42 of them, that most were less than three years old, as in, you know, they're, they're a very short period of, of being in existence. And, you know, there's widespread problems that workers have with not being paid on time, not being paid properly, often they're paid cash in hand, um, riders can't access sick pay or holiday leave, they, they don't have, have they, they, they have to pay for their own equipment. Um, and these companies have grown quickly, right? So in 2019, they made about 1 million uh, euros, and by 2021, uh, they, they made 14.6 million. So that's quite a, a rapid growth. Um, what is the what is the way in which these companies operate in relation to the riders and drivers? What What is the extent to which they manage the workers and what is the extent to which they essentially act as, um, you know, just a middleman between um, the platform and, and the worker? Yeah, so I think there's been some effort from both the government and platforms to rebrand aggregators as actually someone, as, as factors who do something. But there's very, very little truth to that. I mean, whenever we talk to workers, we're, we get quite aware of the fact that these are just handing someone a work contract just so that everything is clear in the um, unlikely case of a work inspection or something. 
there is a lot of money in that. I mean, when you, I think it's a good way to think about it is also as a profit sharing scheme between platforms and, and aggregators, which, as I said, is supposed to keep everyone happy. But actually, if you think about the whole model, it's not even as much as the legal logic, but also like um, uh, everyday uh, normal logic that why would these companies would, would be interested in this if, if it's not to to make money somehow, right? Like, why would you do this company? Obviously, it's no work and you get some money. So most of the aggregators uh, take uh, money from the workers. So the work, of course, it's organized in, in the same way, like everywhere. So the, the worker gets the money from, um, and then the worker has to deposit the money to the platform's account. And then they bring it to the aggregator. The aggregator takes the money, pays the contributions, which are always minimum contributions. Why? Because if you have to employ someone and it's a fictitious work contract, then you employ them for the lowest number of hours, right? You can give them like a two hour per week contract. So everything kind of points to that, that they're actually just there to provide um, work contract. And this is what we also hear from workers. Actually, like if you go to Bolt or any kind of platforms uh, website in Croatia and you want to know how you become a partner, they will give you a list of these companies. So basically, they will just send you, okay, go there. They will give you a company. And of course, amongst workers, you have lists of better and worse aggregators, depending on whether this aggregator is actually known for not having paid salary to someone. There's no way to make this a clean deal because we're, you know, aggregators cannot exercise any kind of control over a worker. They're not going to tell them, oh, oh, I see that, you know, you have a notification on your app, you should take this job, which is what employers do, right? They give out tasks and they pay out money. So they have nothing to do neither with the tasks or the money. Mm. I think that's a key point, isn't it? That even if even the most clean aggregator that does everything by the book, you know, pays the worker properly, maybe provides them equipment or anything like that or something like that, they still aren't managing the work because the work is is managed via the algorithm. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, we have a much harder job here because it's already hard enough to prove that what the algorithm does is a way of managing tasks and managing work, right? I mean, this is the battle that's being fought uh, in most of Western Europe in terms of this uh, this problem. And now we also have to disprove that the aggregators are actually taking on just because you give someone a labor contract doesn't mean that you're an employer. But if that's the official position of your government, which is which is what happened in our case, then this is, makes things very, very complicated. Luckily, there's been some protests lately. I know that you wanted to ask me about this as well. And this has also been widely recognized by the workers. And this was also a lot of work to, to work with the workers and in the media to show that there are no good aggregators and the, the aggregators just need to go. And otherwise, there is no way of actually getting out of this. So the, the law that's been passed by the Croatian Parliament, the Labour Act, uh, was passed in December. Um, and, you know, it seems to seek to address the question of employment status in Croatia's platform economy and the role of, of aggregators within it. And it's due to enter into force in January 2024. What is it that's specifically contained in that law, which, as, you, as you've suggested, um, essentially places the role of the aggregators 
in the creation platform economy onto a kind of legal footing? So there's a lot of wording in that uh, legislation. There's a very little content, though. So the wording generally relies on what the, the versions of the draft directive was, and it gives the worker all kinds of rights. What we found the most problematic, and which is basically the only point that we wanted to fight about, was this one sentence which says, an aggregator or a platform or an aggregator can be an employer, which means you basically gave the, the, the platform the choice to not be employer by you know giving them the opportunity to organize the, their business model in a way that they operate through aggregators, right? And legally, this is a sentence which is very void and doesn't mean anything because what a law is supposed to do, and this is what we were arguing for, is to recognize in which cases a platform is an employer and that's it, you do not introduce a third party. And if you introduce a third party, then you actually need to regulate you know, what conditions there are in order for this third party um, to actually be an employer somehow or to qualify as an agency. I still, I mean, I like to think about this just as a mental exercise, but I haven't found a way, as I said, explain there's, there's no way to putting this kind of entity in employer um, shoes within this economic and organizational relation that we have in the platform economy. So there's, there's no room for intermediaries outside of what we have in Sweden, for example, where they just do the, the payout and roll out and really act as uh, basically as an accountant for the workers and not as, uh, as a fictitious employer, which we have in that case. So I think that's the most important thing about the law. Is it possible in that case that you could challenge the law uh, in the courts on the basis that it's, you know, it, it doesn't uh, correspond with creation labor law? No, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, the, the most problematic thing that we found here, we really tried to fight this, although I have to mention that we only had two meetings with social partners. I mean, this is a state of social dialogue regarding this issue. It took a very long time, and then we were pressured because of uh, the funds from the uh, resilience and uh, resilience fund. So we really had to act fast and we didn't have much choice, at least the social, part, social partners didn't. So we tried to really play out the logic behind this and saying that it is incompatible with Croatian legislation. However, like if we were to challenge it in court, like it would have to be incompatible with uh, with constitutional obligations, which actually it is not because the government was very um convinced uh, in the fact that they can legislate also in accordance to to what they found in the market and what their realities. I mean, I also have to be fair and say that although we really fought to get these aggregators out, uh, it would be like politically very hard to envision because it's such a widespread and accepted model. Some estimates shows that 80% um, of workers work through aggregators. So there would also be a lot of political and different kind of interest opposition from the aggregators. As I said, as you said, it's a big market. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of players. They come in and out. And uh, part of it is also because even though it's so burdensome to, to be self-employed in Croatia, it's very easy to start a company, uh, a limited liability company. This is the whole uh, idea of like uh, promoting entrepreneurship. And it also means that you don't, get to cover a lot of obligations to workers. But anyway, I mean, um, what uh, it's it's very hard to challenge it. 
But the worst thing about this um, legislation, which thankfully hasn't come into force yet, and maybe we're hoping not to see it get into force, is that actually it prevents us from taking action in front of legal courts, pursuing the, uh, the digital platform company as the employer, because they're already protected by this net of aggregators. In that sense, it's kind of a step backwards then, because, you know, if you, before this legislation, you could challenge it in court, and now it's going to be very difficult to do that. And it's clear that the platforms are are satisfied with the legislation. They all seem to be supportive of it. That's always a good sign that it's, it's probably not very good legislation. The one thing they seem to be unhappy about is that they have to conduct monthly um, sort of, like, analysis or like uh, monitoring of of the aggregators and they say that's going to be a sort of administrative burden. Do you think there's any chance that through this legislation the aggregators could be cleaned up a bit so that there's less illegal activity going on, people being denied pay and, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, if there's anything good that we got out of this, there's a little bit of but it's been market work, right? So it's in the platform's best interest to pick out that the aggregators, which are most likely not to get into trouble. So there's been a little bit of, uh, um, of order in this market. As I said, this is only incidental. And I also have to mention uh, that we were, we kind of like saw things getting out of the proposal. So we started with a text, which was pretty decent because it envisioned um, uh, liability, uh, subsidiary liability, chain liability of the platforms for the workers' obligations if they're employed by the aggregators. So, and this was kind of taken and inspired by uh, subcontracting chains that we have in, in posting, in international posting within the EU, where we know that the chains are so long and it's so risky for the workers not to get uh, their pay so that everyone in the subcontracting chain is liable. And this is what we suggest as well. Okay, so we figure that the aggregators are not getting out. Okay, we keep the aggregators, but we make the platforms absolutely liable for any kind of unpaid obligations from the aggregator towards the workers. However, by the end of the process, which I said was only two meetings, uh, there was another provision which said yes, but they also they will not be liable if they collect, you know, the information that the wage is being paid out, which basically it's a it's a paper collection exercise for platforms, and then they're all set, right? So I mean, the key thing is here is that they get to control the whole process, which is exactly the opposite of the, what legislation is supposed to do. Mm. I think it's interesting to think about this law in the context of the EU um, platform work directive. I mean, mm -hmm. as you know, this year's subcontract in the gig, gig economy is not just relevant to Croatia. We've seen, for example, in Spain with the riders law um, that subcontracting has been used as a way uh, to employ the riders uh, indirectly via, via intermediaries. Um, there was nothing really in the European Commission's initial draft proposal which addressed the question of intermediaries and whether they can be legitimate employers of platform workers. I noticed that in, a, in an article published by Balkan Insight on the Croatian law, they asked the European Commission about the directive and the role of intermediaries. And the Commission replied that both the Council and the Parliament, quote, 
are looking into the issue of intermediaries with a view to ensuring that the use of intermediaries does not lead to a lower level of protection for persons performing platform work. So that suggests to me that the directive could legitimise the role of intermediaries in the platform economy. Would that would that be if that's the if that's the kind of the, the directive that we end up with? Would that be concerning for you? Yeah, for Croatia, it sure would be, and also why I find it interesting to talk about this topic because, judging from our own very long and very extensive experience, we do think that intermediaries are just a bad idea, and that they're taking us really away from what we need as a European response. Uh, as a directive, as a European response, right? And uh, yeah, as, a, as you said, the, the initial draft of the proposal didn't envision anything about uh, any intermediaries, but I also have to say that informally we know, I mean, not informally, our government has bragged about it, that uh, it was our government that initially proposed that we should recognize the third party intermediaries because they already exist in some countries. So they are the ones who actually, while we were working on this legislation, were trying to also lobby for it uh, in the council. So I heard in the meantime, at first, the idea has caught up. And apparently, I think it was during the Czech proposal where there was some, some sign of um, intermediaries in the text. But then lately, there have been countries who have really opposed it and it got out. But uh, it seems like I think this will be the topic. And after this creation legislation, I also read a little bit about the legislation in Malta. I think apparently um, uh, something very similar has been legislated in Malta as well. And I do think that Croatia was probably some kind of an exercise for the platform. I mean, the situation with the, with the directive was really dynamic and we saw how the platforms are trying to um, adjust. And uh, I think this was also kind of a, a backup strategy that seems to work. And I think it's also ironic that now in Croatia, we really look forward to the directive and we're hoping that the directive would actually say something that would make the aggregators uncomfortable with uh, with our legislation and in general with, with the language of directive. Mm, that's interesting. I think just last thing on the, on the aggregators, I, I don't know if you saw there was in Germany recently, in Berlin, um, an, aggreg an aggregator or, or a subcontractor, whatever you want to call it, disappeared um it basically vanished into thin air and there was over 100 workers who um have been protesting at walt the food delivery platform walt's offices in berlin demanding that walt pay them unpaid wages from this company going back to september and they say that over 120,000 is to in total is owed to the workers is this an issue also in Croatia, where um, because these companies are, you know, not transparent, they exist for short periods of time, that they can just uh, legally dissolve themselves, not pay workers' wages that are owed, and and there's no, and the platforms basically wash their hands with the issue and say there's nothing that they can do. Yes, absolutely. This is exactly what happens all the time. As I said, we have a very liberal way of uh, a model of setting up a company. So as soon as these companies grow a turnover, which is significant and makes them um, become the obligatory self-value-added tax, so it, it makes them more of a tax burden, they basically just shut down, often leaving the workers uh, without paid wages. 
And then they just start a new company. I think it's also very ironic that in Croatia, you just have to sign that you don't have any debt. And it lets you start a new company basically over the internet within seven days. So this is what we're seeing more and more. And, and I think our first uh, uh, try at organizing workers was also mostly about Uber workers who were complaining, who were working actually as self-employed, legitimate self-employed, who wanted to stay this way, and who were complaining about um, the the competition, the unloyal competition from these companies who are just, you know, exploiting this shell company model and then starting over, starting over, and also exploiting the other workers. Mm. I think that really highlights how, you know, there's a big accountability issue, you know, if these companies can simply disappear at, you know, a moment's notice. How how on earth is not just workers, it becomes difficult even if, um, you know, regulators wanted to crack down on them, it would be difficult to follow them. There's so many different companies. So the whole question of accountability um, becomes really complex. Um, let me ask you about the, the strikes or the protests that have taken place in Zagreb uh, in Croatia recently at, at Walt, um, this Finnish food delivery company. Um, we've been following these strikes in lots of countries across Europe where Walt has introduced a new payment system that's that's lowered the pay rate. Um, can you tell us a bit about the strikes there? Um, I, I understand that they're partly related to the fact that that Croatia uh, converted to the euro on the 1st of January this year. And, you know, that, that led to the pay of the, the couriers falling. Um, but w- what can you tell us about this this uh, protest and strike in Zagreb? So to my understanding, um, this whole thing also has to do with the change in ownership. So Bolt used to be a Finnish company and then they were bought by the American company DoorDash. And this is kind of where, what instigated the, the changes in payment system and which also instigated the protests in many other countries, So, um, or at least people being unsatisfactory. Um, what happened also in parallel in Croatia, I heard that there were some delaying payments, which is not a rare occasion. We had a huge delaying payment uh, in Uber two years ago, and also our trade union organized a big protest in front of Uber. There was no one there, so there was a lot of media attention. It was also a strike. It was very hard to get an Uber that day. So these things happen, right? But the, the most important thing with this was the change in payments. And also that, um, ironically, uh, Bolt adopted, they changed their, their own policy. They decided they will only work with seven aggregators. So they will not, as explained before, take anyone as partners because these uh, firms can then create a kind of a risk for Bolt as well if they are not able to collect the documents and get the liability off them. And a lot of people actually wanted to work as self-employed. They didn't want to work for an aggregator. So initially, they they started this as a protest of let Vault allow us to to be self-employed, which is just, I think it tells you so much about how bad this aggregator system is because you don't want to work for someone whom you literally have to give 10% of what you earned just because they give you a labor contract. I don't even have to say how ridiculous this is. So yeah, the protest started like that. And I think I'm, I'm very happy with the state, although um, 
Um, it is kind of hard because three people got uh, turned, they got shut down from the application. So there's lots of these problems that are connecting with uh, protesting and striking and organizing in in an organization which is not your employer and you're not protected by trade union rights. But let's see how it happens. They have also articulated an anti-aggregator stance. And I think we have some time like to build up on this, to give them policy support as well, to not get this line to force and to try to, to, to get out. So I think uh, it's a good crowd and they're, they're doing a good job. I just hope they, um, yeah, they're able to continue because uh, as I said, we also tried organizing um, mostly uh, taxi drivers last year and it seemed that it was without any kind of immediate effect which we're seeing now with uh, uh with vault it was very hard to get people on board there was a lot of support but uh, very hard to get people actually to become members to become active members to contribute financially to joining the actions and uh, what we're seeing across Europe as well you mentioned the deactivations. Uh, I did read that some of the the kind of leaders of the of the protests and strikes have been have been kind of fired from that. Now, presumably, that's the, that's Walt doing that. That's not the aggregator companies. Although maybe there's a relationship between the aggregators and Walt about who to deactivate from the app and that sort of thing. Is that is that something you are aware of? Yeah, it seemed that actually I only know it from the media, so I don't know directly what's happening. But apparently, Vol has deactivated people from apps because they're entitled to um, during due to their own terms and policy and so on. So they can do that. And I guess the aggregators, if you want to pursue labor rights, which is also sometimes this is a very shady area in, in Croatia. Like, yeah, the aggregator can just fire you. They can say that this is, you know legitimate reason for um, laying you off and it constitutes a violation of Labor Act. I mean, Volt also has some kind of explanation why they shut down someone, deactivated someone. Um, there's a, there's also been rumors that Volt is spreading um, uh, messages around saying, do not employ this person, this person is an activist, and so sending messages to all the aggregators. So, I mean, this kind of thing soon gets very personal, right? Um, so, just to finish up, I mean, you, you mentioned you know, the difficulties in, in, in organizing uh, in workers, bring them into the union. You're part of the Union of Autonomous Trade Unions of Croatia. What, what do you think is the, the kind of key, the key challenges for, for sort of worker organizing in this sector? How... How can we build the strength of trade unions in the sector and what role do you think um, legislation and politics has to play in that as well? Well, I think I first saw these, uh, the reasons are mostly rooted in the fact that these people still see themselves as being temporarily in this job. And this is the kind of a trap you fall into. I've, hear, I've heard a lot of workers say, oh, at first, you know, you start doing it just for fun and then very soon it will turn into a full-time job. But then all of a sudden, you also don't want this to be your job for the rest of your life or actually for this foreseeable future even. It's more like, it feels like a gig, right? So mm -hmm. that's the trap. Like it, it feels like the gig all the time, but it's not. 
And I think this is where we mostly saw what we have, like when we go out and try to organize people, they would be like, oh, thanks for, you know, fighting for our rights without any consciousness that it's, you know, their right, it's their fight, it's a common fight and so on. So I would say that this is mostly due to how this this type of um, doing work is presented and how, you know, how it counts on the people being changeable and how it also gives out the, the, the people this idea that this is all very loose and they're not economically dependent on the platform company. Um, at one point, I saw some hope in the fact that we have really a lot of migrant workers who are coming in and working. And these are the workers who actually don't have a second choice. As I said, at the moment, Croatian labor market is quite volatile. So actually, if you don't want to work for Vault anymore, you can find another job. It's not like it was even two or three years, which also affects how people think about themselves. Um, now we're also seeing a lot of fear in migrant workers. But I think there will be, uh, you. I think we need to wait for this moments of escalation and then also build. Sometimes it feels like it could be a failure. We start organizing and then we fail. But there, we're actually, I think, creating, you know, the springboard for someone else to come in. And this is where I see um, eventually that, that this has to uh, this has to work out, especially if you now with Wolf, we're seeing some transnational organizing, we're seeing the same problems. And uh, I hope, I mean, it has to work out, right? Let's hope so. Right. Hopeful, yeah.